You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. That's right. We're back, baby. We're back. His Footballers DFS Podcast. I am here with Matthew Betts. Betts, buddy, I know this time of the year you're supposed to be taking a break. You're supposed to be slowing down. You're supposed to be there. For your wife, but you're not doing that right now. No, I'm talking to you about DFS in March about the NFL. So uh, something doesn't add up there. I don't think that's what's supposed to happen. But we just couldn't stay away for too long, man. And I'm not gonna lie. Uh, right before we started recording, I was like, "Wait, I need to find my headphones. I need to find my mic. Like it's been a while." So may not be a midseason form as we come off of our, our shortened off season. But I'm excited, man. It's good to be back. Yeah, I I feel like guys, you're getting you're getting bets in a different season of life. You're also getting him in the midst of March Madness, which is a whole different animal for for bets. He's a big Carolina guy, um, so currently right now they're they're about to play. Is that today? Yes, this is. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. They play at four thirty. So you will know my mood on Friday based off how the outcome goes here against Marquette. Uh, I filled out a bracket with my son last night. And uh, he picked Gonzaga to win it all, which I'm a sucker for Gonzaga. So that's where I'm at. That's about as far as my interest goes. Fill out a bracket, move on. My interest is heavily in football because right now my Falcons, I've had tons of mixed feelings on this, are still, as of this recording, uh, up in the air about Deshaun Watson. As a football fan, there's obviously a lot that could change about the organization for the next couple of years. As a person, there's just so many mixed feelings about Watson and his history. So, yes, uh, you're getting Betts and I live tilting him about college basketball, myself, just about my Falcons. Like, I I legitimately, for two hours today, felt like I aged about 10 years. (laughs) Just, like, terrified of the Slack channel, seeing what what news is going to pop up, or terrified of Twitter. Um, We might get that news on today's show, potentially, Kyle. So I would be uh, interested to hear how you react to whatever the news is, R.E. Watson. But yeah, man, fascinating situation. Fascinating two weeks in the NFL. Like, 
literally there is no offseason for the NFL. It's crazy the news and, and how much movement there is from players at different teams. Tons of fun. And, um, you know, we'll be talking about that over the next several weeks as we look towards the futures markets, best ball, all that sort of stuff. If you're kind of curious, why are we doing a DFS show uh, here as early as March and then going every single week for the rest of the offseason? Uh, we kind of get to lay out some of the things that we do. And in the offseason, we get to have a lot of fun and have some more freedom where we're not tied to specific slate. We're tied more to the news. Um, but also for you and I, we talk a lot about futures and about forecasting for the NFL. So, so much can change over the course of an offseason about how you view a team, you know, just from draft picks, which we're going to talk about the NFL draft coming up, uh, win totals, talk about different awards. Uh, you and I talk about the summer of best ball, which is its own monster. If you've never played best ball, uh, you get to play with us this summer. It's, it's a really awesome way to really understand for your redraft leagues, for keeper, for DFS, how to assess values throughout the summer. And then we'll talk DFS strategy as well throughout the offseason leading up to the kickoff. But we, you and I have had a lot of different things change in our lives uh, really over the last couple of months. So I don't know if you remember this, Bets. When we did this podcast last year, a year ago, we kind of announced that you got to move into a bigger role with the footballers. But a year later, you get to announce something different. So maybe a year from now, you'll just basically say that you own the company. That's the trajectory that I'm on right now. <laughs> um, you know, this is this is the peak. I think. I, don't, I think there's only one room, one more place to go, and that is a a letter from Andy saying you are or you're fired. Um, yeah, man, super excited. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen already by now, but I've accepted a full time role with the the team here. So, fortunately, unfortunately, I get to work with you every day here moving forward. Uh, that'll start officially in the next week or two. Uh, extremely excited for that. Should be t- so much fun, man. We'll be able to. Uh, do a lot i think more more content like my efforts will be helping you especially build up the dfs pass build up uh the udk which is out there go get it um throughout the spring and dude what a blast it's gonna be so much fun so yeah you get us uh full time grinding on this thing and really getting this uh, show and the company moving in the right direction man excited yes i i think for you and i not just every day getting to you know, discuss how the markets move, how things, how we can basically better things for our listeners. I think that's going to be a gift to a lot of different people. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's fun that you and I get to run through this together. Um, you know, we had a lot of conversations in the off season of what could this look like for people that listen to our podcast that care about the fantasy footballers brand. And we think obviously you're a big asset. So I will say this, the footballers, Andy, Mike, and Jason, they went hard in the paint. Uh, to, to make sure that Betts is uh, part of this crew for a while. And even more so, it's kind of a big deal because uh, you have some other big news to announce. Dude, do I ever. Um, yeah, give, give me the white New Balances. I mean, we're talking cell phone on the belt clip season for me. Uh, I'm going to be a dad. <laughs> That's the news of the yes. off season for me. Very, very excited. Uh, yeah, my wife and I are expecting in June. A little bit of a plot twist, however... Uh, we're doing the old two for one. We're expecting twins, <laughs> two baby girls on the way in June. So we are blessed, very excited and thrilled for that adventure. It's been fun so far. Um, I'm learning a ton. I don't know if we have any female listeners, but women are absolutely incredible. I mean, it is insane. If I had to go through the process my wife is right now, 0% chance that it would be possible for me. I am soft. Uh, <laughs> these women are tough. <laughs> They're incredible. But man, it, it's it's going to be fun. And I'm really excited and blessed to to enter that part of life. 
Yeah, so Betts is going the BOGO route, uh, going for two. And uh, when when we talked initially uh, about uh, twins, uh, they're also having two girls. Um, I have no experience. I literally said, buddy, I can't help you. I have two boys. But, yeah, it's a fun season. It's a fun season for you this summer when you're doing best ball. This guy's going to be doing best ball in the middle of the night, waking up with his wife, uh, helping with stuff. So, yeah, you're going to get a different side of bets. Maybe you'll get some crazier takes that he's been up through the middle of the night just steaming on, hey, maybe this is the year that Dan Arnold is, you know, a top five tight end. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They're, that's legit, dude. I'm going to definitely be drafting on underdog at about 2.30 a.m., <laughs> changing diapers, helping with feedings. You know, baby in one hand, scrolling on the other hand for sure. So if you want to be in the lobby overnight, I'll be there with you this summer. So on this show, we are going to talk about some of our things to remember from 2021 and kind of how to move forward. So uh, for us with DFS, we talk mostly about cash game strategy. We talk about GPPs. And then we also just talk about props and, and any betting futures throughout the year. So we'll kind of review some of that process for us personally, and hopefully it'll give you some good takeaways that you can bring into the 2022 year. Um, and then at the very end of the show, we're going to start doing this during the off season. Betts and I are going to give a bold take. Maybe it is about Dan Arnold, which Evan Ingram's there. So maybe that's not a thing anymore. But the point is you and I are going to give an extremely bold take and at the very end, you as listeners can kind of also say like, are they really serious about this? And we'll reveal and have the other hosts kind of guess like, hey, maybe you really are serious. Sometimes it's going to be about football. Sometimes it's just going to be about life. And so these are things that I have withheld uh, from bets for a while. So he doesn't know certain things about me. Um, we still have never actually met in person. So I don't know, maybe bets is 610 and I can't really tell him sitting in a chair. What if I was like 5'2"? You'd be shocked, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I would totally box you out. <laughs> I'm almost six one, so I would totally box you out if we were playing basketball. Uh, and I feel pretty good about it. I would. I wouldn't feel sad at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate that. So, if you want to go on iTunes, subscribe and review. Uh, it's a brand new year, and if this is a chance for you to kind of say, "Hey, it's the off season. I want to track with you guys every single week. This is the time to do it." Especially as we get closer to the NFL draft, we think that we can actually give you guys some props that are profitable ones that we actually bet. And it's just some, it's just really fun to be able to root for something over the long haul. So we'll also talk in May about some of those NFL futures. So if you wrote with us last year, you had some of those that felt really good with the Falcons. It was one of those bets where we, we made it, we, we sweated out the entire year. We got our money back and it's like, it never happened. So was it worth <laughs> it? So worth it. The stress Increased blood pressure every Sunday. Yeah, it was it was great. <laughs> Definitely worth it for sure. Um, no, but along those same lines, man, like the thing that I love about this time of the year is that it's so much more laid back. So listeners, if there's stuff that like you want us to talk about or you have ideas for the show, like that kind of stuff, like let us know by all means. We want this to be kind of your off season that gets you ready for DFS and for best ball. So uh, by all means, let us know for sure. Yep. You can follow bets at fantasy PT on Twitter and I'm at Kyle underscore Borg. We will interact. We will not bite. We are nice people, but Without further ado, let's get into our things to remember. Don't forget to remember these things. That's a fun drop. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. It's a good one. It's a good one. We did that show for the footballers a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I got to help participate that. And I thought this would be a good way for us to kind of 
get back into the DFS mix to get you to kind of remember what happened last year, what happened uh, in terms of process, what happened in terms of how I could get better. It's really easy when you finish a season with DFS to kind of move past, like maybe you were profitable, uh, maybe you remember a couple of big weeks where you're like, hey, this player really did it for me. And then you just kind of forget that there are things that you need to take with you. There are there are little stones that you need to take with you uh, to keep building uh, upon this next year. So, bets. You and I are going to first review uh, those main areas. We talk about cash, GPPs, and betting. Um, because I think, I, I know that I'm victim to this. I can remember the past differently than when it occurred. That like sucks when you're a kid and you're like, oh, this was awesome. And your parents are like, actually, you were a jerk. Um, you were <laughs> you were kind of wild a kid. You're like, oh, man, I, that was a great kid. Or we assume that we're good at something and we're not. Uh, I just like it's like that way when you kind of move on, uh, you know, from like middle school to high school and you're like, oh, my gosh, I played this sport for a while. And there are all these other kids. I remember going uh, high school baseball like I tried out for the, the varsity team and I was like, oh, no, I'm I'm going to make the freshman team. There's no shot at varsity uh, this year. So did you have anything like that? Like growing up, you're like, oh, my gosh, I am not as good as I thought I was. Uh, yeah, similar experience for me, actually, with ice hockey. Um pretty good like as a young kid pretty good in middle school got to the high school level just didn't have it so um yeah sad times thanks for bringing that bad memory up kyle it was really good yeah i just wanted to make sure now now i'm assuming you were you were left wing guy right dude actually yes i was really yeah oh yeah buddy all right side story on hockey um i had a birthday party i think i was like 11 or 12 years old where i just got really into hockey and that's what i wanted to do that summer so imagine the humid summers of georgia And I just wanted to play hockey all summer with my friends. And I got all this hockey gear because I wanted to play goalie because I love the gear, right? Like you you have all the pads, the the blocker pads. But the the real reason why I wanted to play goalie is because I couldn't skate at all. I sucked at it. (laughs) And so I had... You just wanted to be on the team though. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I could stop. I mean, I was good at it. We had, you know, our goals and everything that we had in in like our cul-de-sac in our neighborhood. But yeah, I realized that that wasn't in my future um, and then the Thrashers left Atlanta, so we didn't even have a hockey team. But uh, let's get into some real takeaways. Let's start with cash. For you, was there anything that you would say you learned and you would kind of share with our listeners about your cash process? And when we talk about cash, you and I mostly play 50-50s and we play double ups and head-to-heads. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've kind of always considered myself a better cash game player in general, and that definitely held true in the 2021 season from a actual winning standpoint for me, definitely my best ROI. And I think it's because, you know, I feel like we have a pretty good ability to kind of point out the quote unquote best plays on a slate. You know, we're talking about it on the podcast. We're writing about it in the DFS pass. I'm updating the articles that I write for DraftKings on like Saturday evenings, you know, a nice glass of wine, hanging out, writing some DFS content uh, Sunday morning before lock. So I'm, I'm just kind of like plugged into that type of situation. Um, and I think the other thing that I really took away from this past year, like there were slates. I don't know if you remember where there was like, you know, five, six, seven, like awesome wide receiver plays. And you're like, I don't know which one of these guys I want to play. I, I definitely want, you know, three of them, obviously, because you have to on DraftKings. I maybe even want four. And so I think being able to decipher like which slates look like a four wide receiver slate, which look like a three running back slate for your flex spot was really uh, important for me. And then I feel like the other thing that I'll just kind of wrap up with with cash is you know, there's an edge still in contest selection, especially in cash games, you know, entering these multi-entry 
large field 50s, 50-50s and double ups, you know, the best cash game players in the world are going to play those. So we look for single entry, we look for large field, and we post our own head-to-heads and let other people take them. And, and that's still an edge in and of itself that I feel like is a missing piece for some people in their cash process. Yeah, it's as simple as finding the right contest that you can say, I can be better than 50% of the field. And sometimes you won't, but there is a there is pretty clear you can figure out, you know, what's that cash line? What's that range that I want to hit? And, you know, do your projections beforehand. You're not just blindly making a cash lineup because I like these players. Actually look in our DFS pass and we have projections for these players. And we're spending part of the off season. I mean, I spent a couple days with Jason where we look through our projections and said, how can we make this better uh, for our listeners? I'll say for me, I, I started this past year writing a cash review article and you don't have to be a writer out there, but every single week, if you're someone that wants to play DFS and you want to just stay committed, you could literally take five to 10 minutes on a Monday and that could be part of your process is just simply looking at your lineup and saying, what went right? Where did I get lucky? You know, where was I fortunate? Where did I overthink things? But yeah, the cash review article I know was helpful for a lot of people. Uh, I had a listener who said this article is, is like therapy for me. Uh, I need that after a bad week is the way they said that. And I needed, needed that too, that I could be honest with people. And there were some weeks where it was gross. But um, cash definitely is still, I think you and I, that's our bread and butter. I finished the year on a hot streak. I looked back six of the final seven weeks I cashed. And I cashed in a couple weeks some in really big ways. So for me, it's taking what you think is a good process, which you know we give our cash picks, we, we give those on the podcast, we give them the DFS pass, but then coming back and looking at a spreadsheet or looking at projections, or looking at a roster percentage and say, where could this go wrong? How could I improve it? Or else you're going to go the next week and do the same exact thing. Uh, I find, especially in our Discord channel, a lot of people go in and they say, is this a good cash lineup? And a lot of times people check them and say, dude, you have three lions in your cash game lineup. I don't, That could go really bad. Like, uh, make sure you move move forward in a different way. So make sure you have a system in cash that allows you to have a check both before you post your lineup. So one of mine is Matthew Betts, where we go back and forth and say, <laughs> am I an idiot? Um, but also, you can also look at you know other people and look at the process afterwards in a spreadsheet. So for cash, I would say stick with it. We'll give you some more things to remember in a second. But uh, yeah, it was it, for us, it was both a profitable year uh, and it has been the last couple of years since we've done this podcast. Yes, sir. I think that's an underrated thing too. You know, we talked about that. I think a little bit last year in the off season was like, you know, you got to have someone that uh, knows what you're talking about and can really keep you in check. Like, hey, man, this might not be the week for Adrian Peterson at 4K on DraftKings. I know he's projecting well, but it doesn't feel good to me. Sort of thing. Shout out to Kyle from the 2020 season <laughs> when he made that play. Um, he's so a you gotta have famer. people, you know, help you. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is. Nothing, nothing negative <laughs> to say about the man's game, but at this stage of his career, I don't think I'd be putting my hard-earned money on this man. <laughs> um, you have to have someone that can help you with that process for sure. So I'm with you. Um, in GPPs, for me personally, did not have a great year in terms of the ROI. Um, not sure if that's just bad results. Not sure if that's bad process by me. I definitely need to kind of go back and look at that. Talking more about main slate strategy. But I did feel like this was my best year playing Showdown. And that's kind of its own different strategy. It's a, its own game, honestly. There's a lot more game theory associated with it. But in writing up every week the Thursday night football game for DFS, for DraftKings, I really started to kind of get a good handle by the end of the season of like, what is the what is the field probably going to do in terms of players they're going to put in captain, players that they're going to try to roster heavily 
and their construction. So, you know, obviously in that situation, you can go three and three, you can go four and two, five and one uh, in your builds. And I've had a lot of success in those situations, like chasing ceilings for wide receivers. I definitely want to remember that from this past year. Um, and then really being able to fade the kind of balanced three, three build. So let's say, for example, like, you know, the Falcons and the Eagles, two random teams that I just thought of, uh, those are Kyle and my favorite team, uh, are playing on a Thursday night. Like most of the field wants to play three from each because it looks really balanced. You know, you don't want to overload one side too much, but I feel like the, the edge is there in that roster construction alone. And in the way that you're, you're chasing ceiling at wide receiver for, um, the captain spot for sure. So I had a lot of weeks where that strategy did not pay off, but I had like three or four where it was a huge, huge week. So in GPP, you know, you definitely want to kind of embrace that life of, yeah, this is the right process. It didn't work out, but I know over the long run, if I have four or five down weeks, like I might have two awesome weeks and you'll still end up with that net positive return on your investment. So, um, I need to get better in main slates for sure, but I think showdowns was a lot of fun this year and had a lot of success. I feel like you kind of morphed into this player for showdowns where you'd put in the max center, like you put in 75, you'd even put in 150. Was that just something where you felt like you could find success knowing what the field was going to do and just saying, Hey, I'm going to take multiple shots at this. Yeah. Well, before this year, like I didn't really play a lot of 150 MME or even, you know, the 20 max type stuff. I was kind of always three max or single entry, but it was a lot of fun to play 150s because, you know, you're literally fist pumping every play that happens because you got every player. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you're able to kind of not necessarily take such a harsh stand, but you can at least look at like, you know, here's the roster percentage that we project, you know, for this player and captain versus the flex. Like, do I think that's too high? Okay, I'm going to come in under the field. I'll still have exposure in the event that the field is right. I don't want to miss out on that, but I'm just adjusting my exposures a little bit. So I had fun with that. Um, I will say it takes a lot more time. So now that I'm entering hashtag dad life, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to, to steal an hour before kickoff every Thursday to do that. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I, th I think it's been fun. I'm not sure if I'm going to go back to it this year. We'll just have to see what the time looks like. Speaking of time, that's a perfect segue for me for GPP. My note that I wrote down is time looked different for me. I just didn't have as much extra time to hand build as many GPP lineups as past year. Um, and part of that was transitioning from Georgia to Arizona, putting our house on the market, you know, flying here, figuring out house stuff here, family stuff. Like, I mean, it was just, it was a hectic two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. I was going to say, you're not even really getting the whole picture out there. Like this is in a matter of what, two, three weeks max. Like, oh my gosh, what a crazy end of the year for you. And that was over the holidays too with Christmas. Right. So there was, I mean, it was really like a two month stretch from November when, you know, we made the decision and then moving to Arizona at the end of December where you know, that, that had a lot of my attention. So the time of hand building lineups did not look as good. Um, but I will say this took down some listener contests. I mean, come on. I mean, just right in the face of our listeners. I just stomped on them. It was like one or I think it was like two or three wins, whatever it was. Um, you probably still lost money in the, in the whole oh, season. Oh, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> so I, I'm just, that's the thing that we need to make sure that we share that with people is if you play with us, you can take our money and, in the long run, it's like us giving back to the people. Really, you're listening to right, a podcast exactly. and getting paid to do it. Is that is that a good way for people to think about it? For the most part, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have as many big GPP wins. I know in 2020, I had a couple where I took down some tournaments. Um, but for me, it's just taking the time to make sure I hand build. And I'll give one of my uh, points later, but just to make sure I pivot on certain players 
at certain price points. I think I didn't do a great job this past year. Um, I definitely like getting crazy. I like GPPs, but it's a, it was a different season for me, so I didn't give it as much. But let's finish off right here before we get into our kind of key principles we want to give out. Uh, just in terms of betting and wagers and props, uh, I know something that gains steam for a lot of our listeners throughout the year. It's something that we're going to be able to give more and more. I know we've gotten a lot of feedback that because you're part of the team and because you bully me all the time into making wagers, you're like, hey, we got to, you know, we got to, we got to hammer this over, Kyle. (laughs) You got to put all your money on Logwood to beat Tennessee today. (laughs) To be fair, listeners, I did not say that Um, unless Longwood wins, then in which case I did. Um, Yeah, I think the new thing, Kyle, is just going to be, I'm going to send you a prop in Slack. I'm going to say for the twins. You know, starting the college fund for the twins. We got to do this. Um, but yeah, betting last year like was new kind of for the show. And we're not like betting experts by any means. We're, um, you know, getting, I think, a little more sophisticated with it and kind of understanding the markets. But there remains a huge edge in player props. And that's something that we've been chatting about, trying to bring more of to the DFS pass, to the show. Um, it, it's a good transition, I think, for fantasy players looking to make that jump into sports betting if you want to, because it's all about, you know, understanding matchups and player usage and uh, roles for certain players and we do that every week anyway for dfs so it's like why shouldn't we just put a little extra into it right um i can't stress enough how mediocre to bad the results for me have been in still betting a couple of fun like spreads and totals and stuff like that it's just such a negative ev thing to do but people can't help themselves from doing it because it's fun but with player props i've had a lot of success and i think kyle has too and man, Evan McPherson was like the official man of the show over the, the playoffs, just cashing that over two, uh, over one and a half field goals um, each week in the playoffs was fun. So we'll bring you more player props this year. And, uh, and I'm excited to do that for sure. Yeah, Super Bowl was really good for you and I and for the show. I had some I had someone recently that said, hey, I listened back to your Super Bowl show. I was like, that happened like a, over a month ago. And they said, I listened back Get outside, man, and get some sun. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> they were just thirsty for Move that. Con- they wanted that content. And so they said, I'm going to re-listen like. Imagine someone saying that they're listening to like our week four main slate show. They're like, oh, that was that was such oh, a boy. good show. Uh, <laughs> man, love that one. Uh, no, but Super Bowl was good for us uh, in terms of props. For season-long bets, I will say one of the things that was terrible for me is teams that I faded, I wrote this down, they punched me in the mouth. And that was the Raiders, who somehow willed their way to the playoffs. The e- Your Eagles, who somehow made their way to the playoffs. I have no idea how. And then the Titans somehow willed their way to the number one seed despite all their injuries, which not saying that we predicted injuries. We just did say there was an outcome for the Titans that they've been pretty fortunate on that end. So those three teams just destroyed me on season long. Uh, I will say, I think adjusting as the year goes on and not just saying, Hey, I had this take. So for instance, you and I basically had Dak Prescott as like a slam dunk for comeback player of the year. And I would say for the first you know, 14 weeks of the season, it was easy, done, Dak Prescott. And if you didn't have those final two Joe Burrow games, then I don't think we would be talking about Joe Burrow as comeback player of the year. But I adjusted at that point and said, hey, Joe Burrow is still plus money to be comeback player of the year. I have this Dak bet. And instead of digging my heels in and say, I think I'm right, I think it should be Dak, I just said, hey, I'm going to put some wagers on Burrow. And luckily that cashed along with Mike Vrabel, um, coach of the year so I had a couple at the end of the year that were pretty profitable considering I wasn't on them at the beginning of the year so adjusting in that market is is pretty pretty key 
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right. Let's give a couple of things to remember in terms of principles. I'm going to start off by giving one. Betts is going to give another, and we'll go back and forth. We would say that these are kind of, if we had to summarize everything that our show did this past year, these are four things that you can take with you through the summer. Write them down. Um, you know, put it on a sticky note. Put it on the fridge. And if your spouse or your, your significant other asks what this is, you could say, hey, I need to remember this, okay? So this first one this is all you need to write down. You ready? Contest selection is like potty training. Okay. That makes perfect sense. I know it does. If if you write the, if someone does this, if you write this down, you put it on your fridge, let me know if your significant other asks you about it. Okay. That would just be huge. That would make my day if you went through with this and they go like, why the heck did you write this down on our fridge? <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. With contest selection, there's a progression and I think a lot of times people want to jump to the very end and they want to jump to, you know, like, like when you're, when you have a child bets, this is some advice for you. So you listen up. Okay. With kids. All right. I'm ready. They, okay. They don't start off crawling. All right. They start off just kind of like wiggling there and kind of can't roll over. Eventually they get on their back. Then they go to crawling and then they go to cruising. Then they go to walking and then they just go to like falling down a million times and you get so much anxiety when your kids fall down. There is a progression with that. There's a progression with teaching your kids how to go to the bathroom. Things will not go well if you rush and just say, I'm going to empty out my money on the Millie Maker. Things will not go well if you say, hey, it's just a dollar. I can put in, you know, 20 of these and be done because those add up over time. I think a lot of times there are contests that sound really appealing that have, I don't know, like a $5 single entry. That sounds appealing. Like, okay, well, it's just $5. It's just one of me. But if you look at the field, and the field is 50,000 people, that is a very different contest. And I think Betts is one of the better players at this of it's okay to win a small field if you're winning $400, $500 as opposed to you're shooting for that one that you get 125 but you know, it's just such a negative EV move that you're doing that you have to hit the nuts on a single entry. So small field gives you the confidence over time, you can get to a place where you can max enter. And that is fun. It is fun, especially on a showdown slate to do that. But I would just say, make sure that, and we're going to have a whole show on contest selection later on in the summer where we walk through, these are our favorite contests. Here's some do's and don'ts. Uh, here's how we've kind of grown over the years. Here's what to stay away from. But yes, contest selection is like potty training. And if you still need to wear a diaper, that's okay. <laughs> oh man if there's one thing people are going to remember from the show it's it's that last sentence right there that was gold all right on to number two this i want to remember scared money 
Don't make money. That's right. Yes, that's right. You got to embrace that GPP life. You got to embrace risk. But what I'm talking about here is not just embracing risk for the sake of risk. I'm talking about still playing smart, understanding roster percentage, understanding where the leverage is, and being okay with being wrong when the process is right, the results aren't there. I kind of talked about this a little bit. There's some showdown slates where I felt like I was kind of on the right track of where I should be going. Did I win everyone? No, of course not. But that process led me to a few really, really big wins. And that still outweighed kind of the, the smaller, you know, in hindsight, obviously smaller losses. You have to embrace risk. And if you're scared to be off of a player, you know, in a main slate, if you're like, oh, I can't play, how can I not play? Remember that week, James Robinson um, against the Jets. It was the perfect matchup. You know, of course, things happen. He tears his Achilles. It's terrible for the man. Hopefully he's recovering. But if you were brave enough to say, look, like the field assumes he's going to be the perfect play this week, 80%, 60% in these contests, like you have to be willing to take those risks. And when you're wrong, yeah, it's terrifying and you're going to look silly. But when you're right, the, the payout is massive. And so when those massive payouts hit, it's going to build your bankroll over time if you're a GPP player. So don't be scared. You have to take some some chances. You have to really uh, be willing to kind of question sometimes when these players get steamed up in popularity. You know, how can it go wrong? Ask yourself that question. And I think it can be really hard. If you remember, there was a couple of weeks where the chalk just hit. It was just like everybody, everybody was on it. This, the scores were really high. Everybody, you know, the roster percentage is really high. And a week, uh, like recovering from a week like that, I think is the hardest mental thing. So it's kind of just telling yourself like, I was wrong. And I'm willing to be wrong again this next week because I'm trying to separate myself. Do you think a lot of times people have a hard time, not just with groupthink, but I want to, I mean, the goal of this in DFS is to separate yourself from everybody else. You're not just trying to move with the herd. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what we're talking about is like, you know, if you just, if you just kind of read every article and you go on Twitter and you listen to three or four podcasts, like there's a good chance most people that have any idea what they're doing are going to be writing and talking about the same best plays. It's it's pretty obvious, right? So if you're if you're not willing to kind of question, like when we know variance is there in football, if you're not willing to embrace that, if you're a GPP player, you know you have to be willing to take those lumps. Like I said, you'll you'll lose two, three, four weeks in a row. Then all of a sudden, the field is wrong. You're right because you were able to kind of take that chance, and all of a sudden you're still in the green on the season for for profit. So yeah, I think you definitely have to embrace that for sure. All right, number three here. I'm calling this one price point pivots are poifect. Right? It, it, it took me a while. Little, yeah, I like that. I logged into the doc and I saw you put that on there. I was like, I think Kyle meant to write that. Yeah, I did. I think. I don't think that was an error. That's right. <laughs> price point pivots are poifect. Uh, we talk a lot about players that you can pivot from. We're saying these are players at similar price points. They may have similar projections, but their roster percentage are going to look different, right? In cash, when we talk about constructing your, your cash lineup, trading projection is a really tough thing. Like, I don't recommend trading, you know, a point and a half or, you know, you know, two points of projection just so you can get different. Like, we're talking about cash here. We're trying to get the highest, you know, floor outcome. That we're trying to get something where you can say, I'm going to hit the cash line. In GPP, pivoting on someone else's price is how you gain leverage. And it's also how you give yourself different lineup constructions. So we fall, we fall in love with players. And a lot of times we fall in love with their prices. Like a lot of times like, oh, that's such a good price for this player. I need to play them. 
we can also do the same thing where we look at a player's price and say, oh, why is he priced like that? So, Betts, you're really good at this. Let's go back to a time called week five, okay? We know what you were doing. You were, you were podcasting with me. Um, so, week five, I'm going to give you just a couple of different players at, at a couple of different prices and talk about it. But before I do that, what would you tell me about the year that Justin Herbert just had in the NFL? Good, bad, ugly, what? Quite good. Okay, quite good. What about the year that Mike Williams had for the NFL? What would you say about Mike Williams? Up and down. Okay. So like really high and really low. Okay. Mike will real quick. Remember when we bet <laughs> this looks so silly in hindsight. Remember when we bet Mike Williams to lead the league in touchdowns? Yeah, we did. <laughs> when he when he was leading. Oh. Silly. And he was for a second. Silly, silly. We're big big Mike fans and he won bets a showdown slate a couple years ago. So we're we're kind of big all over him. Um the reason I bring up those players because we love Justin Herbert. Uh, we like Mike Williams in terms of his ceiling outcomes. Okay. Like that's, you're not getting Mike Williams to say, I want, you know, five for 50. You want Mike Williams because he can go for, you know, 150 and two. Uh, Justin Herbert that week. Okay. His roster percentage was 4%. Okay. Pretty low. What if I told you that Mike Williams roster percentage was only 3%? What would you say about those two? That sounds that sounds like a great GPP stack. It does. And, and obviously, we're looking at this in hindsight. The previous week, Mike Williams went one for 11. Okay, he started off the year with three solid weeks. But then in week four, he kind of did what I think we all did. Like, okay, Mike Williams can't keep this up. We know who he is. He went one for 11. So in week five, despite his success at the beginning of the year, despite what we love about Justin Herbert, Mike Williams is only rostered 3%. And the hardest thing to swallow was his price. He was 7,200 on DraftKings. And there was a bunch of other players around him that seemed safer, right? Uh, your boy, Terry McLaurin, okay? Who literally was down for the entire year except for like three or four weeks. Uh, DJ Moore was a really popular play that week because he had a high floor. And then you had other players that, you know, were certainly fine. DeAndre Hopkins, a little bit more expensive. Mike Evans, Debo Samuel. And some of those were great. Now, Devontae Adams was the chalk that week, and he killed it. He had 40 points. But here's the thing that I think I just want people to realize is there is about six or seven receivers all in the same price range, and the one that had the lowest roster percentage was Mike Williams, and we know that there is a ceiling outcome always available for Mike Williams. So find players at that price point and mix and match. So Mike Williams had 39.5 DraftKings points. That was the game, if you remember, bets. it was the Chargers and the Browns, and it was just a back and forth. Like It was an amazing game just to watch from an NFL perspective, but for DFS, they went bonkers together. And the hardest thing was just to say, is Mike Williams worth this price? And I think we would have said in the moment, like, oh, no, not $7,200. That's, that's a terrible price. But for GPP, he was a pivot that I think people need to be willing to make. And that's just one example. I could bring up way more, but... Uh, be willing to pivot at certain price points and you can differentiate yourself from the group. Yeah. The other thing with that too, just kind of real quick in regards to pricing, like Fandle is a little bit tricky to talk about because in general, their pricing system is a bit softer that you have a higher salary cap, but on DraftKings and there's studies that look at this. I haven't done one myself, but other people have like the, the pricing is efficient for a reason. So when a player is priced up, you know, it's because they're playing well. It's because they've had these weeks. 
Like that's why they're priced where they are. So if you're telling yourself like that seems too high, you know, pause for a second, take a step back and remember that there's a reason for that. And it's because they have this range of outcomes. The only situation where that doesn't happen, obviously, is like, you know, a midweek injury in practice or an uncertain situation for running back injury, that kind of thing where you get these cheap guys. But yeah, man, the um, the the pricing is efficient. So I like that point to remember to not be afraid to pivot at that price point for sure. The last one here that I want to remember, this is better late than never. And this is probably like the third, fourth time I've talked about this on the show with, yeah, preach, man, just preach late swap. I'm a huge fan of late swap. And I think it remains one of our strongest edges in DFS. My simple explanation here is we have the answers to the test. Why aren't we using them? We know exactly what happened in the one o'clock window if you're on the East Coast. We know what's happening in those games. And we also are able to look in these contests and see how much of the field is playing certain players. So, you know, if there's a chalky wide receiver in the first slate of games and there's a nice price point pivot in the late games that you can kind of set yourself up to get off that chalky player. You know, if let's say let's say you have them and they don't go off, but there's like someone waiting in the next game that can bury you. Like you have to be willing to adjust when your players don't do well in the first window. Otherwise, you're literally just throwing in the towel too early and not giving yourself a fighting chance to at least recoup what you could have won. So that's a major advantage for sure. I put out a poll on Twitter asking, I said, you know, to everyone out there, do you use late swap or not? And just over 40% of people that responded to it said they do not use late swap. I would argue it's probably even higher than that, honestly, because Twitter is kind of a you know, it's a tight knit community. People on there are pretty serious about fantasy and DFS. Like the general people playing in these contests, you know, they're setting a lineup at 1230. They're just getting done eating lunch. They're about to go out with their families for whatever Sunday activity. They're not sitting around at four o'clock waiting to check their lineup to change it. Like people are doing things, you know, at the bar with your friend, like doing whatever, right? So use late swap. Don't you know, forget that that is a huge, huge advantage. We'll probably do either a segment or maybe I'll have an article in the in the DFS pass this year just about how to use it effectively. But I think it remains one of those things that we should definitely keep using because not a lot of people are doing and it. And you can actually write down a list every single week. And we would, I mean, we would do this last year. It'd say like, okay, who are in these later games, these four o'clock games? And, you know, really most weeks, it's really, we're only looking at three or four players. We're not, you know, massively changing our entire roster. But we're saying, hey, Here's this running back. Hey, let's Dave Montgomery is a good price point, you know, where I could actually swap off this player. Hey, here's a really popular receiver I have in my lineup. My team is sunk right now. Let me switch. So yeah, it's it's definitely underrated. And I think you're right uh, when you're talking about the poll. It's probably more like seventy plus percent of the field is not utilizing this, and so it gives you the advantage. It's not always going to work out to your advantage, but I think it is something that that is worth uh, looking at. All right. Before we finish the show, we're going to debut a new segment. Ridiculously Bold Predictions. Epic. Yes. What a drive. I know, and and I think this is good for the offseason for the people. Uh, Betts and I are going to, at the end of each show, kind of give a bold take. Now there's a there's a catch, there's a caveat on this. Sometimes we're going to give a take that is not true. But we're going to share it in a convincing manner, okay? This can be about football, this can be about life, whatever whatever we want it to be. And the goal is just for 20 seconds, maybe up to 30 seconds to give this take with all seriousness 
And then the other co-host gets to say like, I either agree with that take or I think you're lying or whatever it is. And we'll kind of reveal. So we're going to go back and forth. Um, but there needs to be some conviction in this. Okay. And part of this is just maybe us lying. Maybe it's just us acting. Um, a lot of people give a lot of bold takes right now, especially on Twitter or, you know, whatever else it is. But on this show, these are things that maybe we believe. And maybe it's, you know, something as bold as I really think, you know, the Jaguars could win the AFC South. All right. That's kind of spicy. That's not what I'm going to share. But like, and I would give, you know, a couple of reasons why. And then bets could be like, I, you know what? I could actually see that happen. Maybe we'll talk about what that means in the betting market. So any any last things you want to add, bets before we get into this? Uh, this is going to be fun. All, all off season, we're going to do this. So listeners, share yours with us. Uh, maybe, should we get a little hashtag on Twitter, Kyle? Yeah. Hashtag bold or cold. Let's do it. Send us send us what yours are, and we'll try to see if you're uh, if you're on the right track or or if we believe what your takes are real. So send them send them our way. All right, bets. Would you like to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I believe the Jaguar. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, are going to win the Super Bowl. My bold take, and this is not football related, so this is just more for fun. I think Mondays are the best day of the week. I mean, look, everyone looks forward to Fridays. Everyone looks forward to Saturdays and Sundays. But think about this. You wake up on Monday morning. You got a fresh cup of coffee. You got a new Ballers podcast in season in your feed. Like, there's a new week ahead of you. You get to set the tone for the week. You get to set a to-do list. You get to accomplish it. I love setting goals for myself and being able to accomplish them throughout the week and just get set up for success. So get out of here with this like, oh, Thursday is the new Friday take. No, I'm setting the week strong. We're going hard on Mondays and we're setting us up for success here. I I like Mondays. Give me Mondays for sure, man. I love it. Gosh. So I'm conflicted because knowing you, you are goal-oriented. You're driven. You are the person that does like setting things out. Part of me though knows that you love to veg. Like you don't mind just like sitting there and just live betting something and making sure that Monica is a little bit mad at you for some stupid thing that you were into on the weekend. So your bold take is that Monday is the best day of the week. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying, man. Gosh, you, I'm going to say this is a true statement. Like you actually feel this way because you like working. I mean, when you got a job like this, how can you not? I do love Mondays, man. And I think this is a real take. I do think this. I think your Monday, how how will you set the tone for the week, sets up your Friday and your weekend. If you had an awesome week, like you're feeling so good heading into Friday. If you're having a crappy week, you know, the week just drags. So you got to set the tone early, man. I'm all in on Mondays. All right. Here's what I'm going to do this next week. I'm going to check in and see if there's something from your Monday that was like, not doesn't have to be epic. It's okay that it, it's like a mundane thing. But I want to see that there's something in your Monday that's worth like replicating. And so I'm not saying you have to be that guy that sends out a, a Monday motivational quote every single week on Twitter um, or just like, you know, just just post like M- Michael Jordan quotes or, you know, Michael Scott, like thinking it's Michael Jordan <laughs> slash Wayne Gretzky quotes, like whatever it is. Yes. Uh, but I, I want there to be a part of your Monday process because, yeah, our show comes out on Friday. So it's a bit. So maybe I'll check in this next week and see if that is it. Sounds good. All right. I'm going to give mine, and uh, you can tell me if this is true or not. But uh, I am an actor, as as they say. I did. I have, I have joked with my wife sometimes that uh, I was meant to be an actor, and she always tells me to shut up. She's like, no, no, you're not. All right. 
it was my wife's birthday this past week. That is true. I will say that. It was my wife's birthday, Emma. Uh, we were in San Diego, or as they say, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great city. Um, <laughs> I spent a moment reflecting on this. Okay, so here's my take. My take is that birthday cake is one of the most overrated foods on the entire planet. It is not a treat by any means. The next time that I am served a piece of birthday cake, I'll put it where it belongs, the trash. I mean, listen, you had me until you said that last statement because you're way too nice of a guy and I don't think you'd actually do that. If someone was like, hey, Kyle, here's a piece. You would, you would, instead, you would say, no, thank you. I'll pass. You would not throw it in the trash. However, I think the crux of this argument and what you're saying, I actually believe you. And I kind of, if this is a real take for you, I kind of do agree. Now, ice cream cake is a completely different story. I think you're more of like an ice cream kind of guy, maybe not much of a like cake guy. So I'm with you. I don't see as much of the appeal with these sort of situations. So I think I believe you and I potentially agree. Let's just say, so huge Mighty Ducks fan. I'm not a cake eater. Okay. I am not a cake eater. I think cake is trash. Not up in here. I think cake is trash. <laughs> uh, I never think about cake at all. Cheesecake is the only one that I will enjoy, um, but that's usually not served at birthdays. But put it this way. I have never eaten my own birthday cake like ever in my entire life. As a kid, we would get birthday cake. I wouldn't eat it. Everybody else at my birthday party would. Never liked cake, and I'm okay if it just goes away. I'm totally fine with it. Cake is not that good, and I don't see what the rest of you people are thinking. So this was real. This is totally right? real. That's I don't real care about cake. All right, cool. So we were both two for two on this, uh, agreeing with the other person or at least seeing the argument and thinking it's real. So that's interesting. And I'm also shocked that it, as a kid, you wouldn't just be like, oh, my friends are doing it. So I guess I just have to eat this cake when you're like eight years old. No. That seems wild. No, I think part of my personality is if uh, Emma hates this so much. If people are liking something, there is something in me that says I have to not do this thing. Like, I don't know why. You got to be the cool kid. I'm not even trying to be always contrarian about things. It's just like, there's something in me that says like, I, I want to do something cause I want to do it. And, uh, yeah. And, and cake's not one of those things. So, um, cake can be, can be gone and it can be thrown away, but yes, share with us your bold or cold takes. And, uh, we'd love to discuss more, but next week you and I will get to talk a little bit more about NFL draft, some of our draft props that we like. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit of fun time. Glad we're back in business. Bets, why don't you sign us off? Yes, it's fun, man. It's good to be back. Uh, listeners out there, enjoy whatever dessert you choose. Obviously not cake. And, um, and have a great Monday. Best day of the week. Let's go. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.